it's impossible to see the path forward. The fire in us like is not shining anymore. It gets dampened by sadness and by too much emotion in the body, which is water. So what we have to do first and foremost is drain the water in whatever way we can, be that ayahuasca or mm. hiking, like whatever you decide mm -hmm. to do, getting that water to decrease. And then it's like the fire dries out and then it can start to arise again. So if we try and light the fire when it's wet, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> we have to deal with the emotion first. And then once the emotion is dealt with, once you release all that grief and sadness from the loss of your pregnancy, you will then naturally catapult yourself into the next stage of life. So if you're feeling like, mm. why am I not moving forward? Why can't I let this go? Know that you are naturally always moving forward. The only reason why you're not moving forward is because you're holding on to the past. The future of mental health treatment and peak performance enhancement is here. Welcome to the Webdelix podcast, brought to you by Webdelix, your trusted resource for plant medicine information on the web. By sharing real stories, expert interviews, and honest conversations, we're here to go beyond the myths and get to the truth. Here's your host, Scott Mason. The Webdelix podcast exists to educate illuminate, and inform. It does not provide medical advice or recommendations as to any course of treatment, mental health or otherwise. You should always consult with a physician or other licensed healthcare professional, mental health or otherwise, before pursuing any personal growth program or course of treatment. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Web Delix Podcast, where we're on a journey to find out the truth about plant medicine, get rid of the myths, and change the narrative. I am Scott Mason, your host, and with us today is Sophia Dagg. Sophia is a plant medicine integration guide, a meditation practitioner, a birth worker, and an author. She's the founder of Elemental Empress Medicine, a plant medicine integration support community, and a person who has a lot to say about the impact of plant medicine on the human experience. Sophia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Scott. It's amazing to be here on the WebDelix podcast. Thank you. We are very excited to have you as well. The topic of the episode today is about the role that plant medicine can play in healing from the grief associated with something that is of profound consequence and is of um, a subject that a lot of folks feel uncomfortable with talking about. And so your willingness to step forward and share your experiences here uh, are particularly appreciated. And I think will make this episode particularly impactful. And that is the grief associated with losing a child before it's born. A lot of times we go into lengthy scientific questions or questions about people's background and all of that sort of stuff. But in this case, I think that the audience will really want to hear first and foremost 
your story. So talk to us a little bit about what in your life led this to be an issue that became a significant part of your plant medicine journey. Yeah. So thank you for for that introduction and sharing all of that. It's um it is an interesting topic and it's it's a diverse one and to be honest the more that I've written about it and the more that I've shared about it there are a lot, there are just many similarities between all kinds of experiences we have in life and this experience. It's just that this experience is kind of wrapped in a lot of shame and guilt and difficult emotions and so really personally for myself I went on a journey to see if I could (laughs) actually share the story. So that was my intention initially. So for my experience, I actually became pregnant when I was in South Africa and I had just arrived there. So I could have actually just kept it an entire secret, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. it was very interesting to make this decision to start sharing this story from the very beginning. And of course I didn't share it with the world initially, but I did decide to share it with my immediate family. And even just the healing from that, if someone's tuning in and they're like, should I share the story? Should I not? Um, Definitely with close intimate people in the beginning, I find that that is the best medicine, the best solve, because when we voice things, Mm -hmm. when we write things, we integrate that they have actually happened. And that's the biggest healing part of losing a pregnancy is there's just Mm -hmm. not a lot of physical evidence of the experience that's been had, yet there's so much energetic shifts and energetic changes. Mm -hmm. So my goal with my book, The Birth of Ben, was to provide more of firstly a vocabulary so that people felt like they could put words Mm -hmm. to their own experience. Mm -hmm. And intriguingly, when I launched the book, a lot of men (laughs) we're buying it. And I was really surprised by Mm -hmm. this. (laughs) But what I understood Mm -hmm. by that was that the women that they had experienced pregnancy loss with, be it by nature, in miscarriage, or by choice with abortion, the women were not able to vocalize their experience physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. And so what I was actually providing with this book was like a little window into what their partner their past partner was experiencing during that time. So that's, yeah, that's inspiration to write the book. I'm so glad you shared that. And I have to say, I have had individuals close to me who have had abortions. And I'm from Red State America. Some of those individuals are people who lived in those states. And they did feel a lot of shame and fear. And because there isn't a open sense of discussion, uh, that's something that's easily accessible between people around this. I cared, I felt, I tried to imagine, but it was also to some extent out of my ability to imagine, or at least out of my ability to feel like I could really imagine in a truly empathetic way. Uh, And I think this issue of having a vocabulary is part of it. I didn't even know what language to use to ask some of these folks about their feelings and how I could support them. So 
Thank you for sharing that. And as we go along in this episode, I think this issue of understanding that vocabulary may be something that folks like me struggle with uh, will be perhaps something that we could also model for the audience and that perhaps through our discussion can learn from as a side matter. But let's talk, if we could, for a second about your pregnancy. You were in South Africa. You had just arrived there from Ireland, where you're originally from. Is that correct? I, I was actually living in Indonesia before that, in, in Bali. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so thank you for correcting me. And what happened next? Yeah. So, I mean, not a situation, obviously, I expected myself to be in. And it just became very clear through the unfolding of realizing that I was pregnant and then communicating with my partner at the time. And it just became really obvious. Like I was the the deciding factor, you know, for everyone's fate, uh, mm. which is not, you know, it's a very intense space to be in. I was 21 at the time. So I was mm-hmm. thinking, what is the best decision for everyone? And that's where my feminine empowerment really came in. Like, okay, wow, this is my decision. And it's my responsibility to make sure that everyone gets the best that they deserve in this situation. You know, that a child gets the best mother, that the partner is listened to, like the whole dynamic. And so when it surfaced and I realized, okay, this is all not aligned, this is not meant to be, then I actually was very fortunate to be able to access an abortion clinic in Cape Town and do it very safely. And I was wonderfully supported through the whole journey. There were some parts of it where I found it a little bit disconnected, as a lot of hospitals can be. But fortunately, Mm. I was very early on in the pregnancy, so I was able to give birth at home. And that was the biggest blessing, and it's a large part of the book, about just how much that ceremony after my birth helped me to process the grief and release the energy, because a large uh, portion that has to be rectified or, you know, that it's very helpful with plant medicine to heal is that separation, you know, and whatever we give birth to is separated from us. Um, and then, and then again, we don't get that recognition. So, yeah. So you're talking about giving birth, but at the same time, we're talking about a situation in which an abortion occurred. I want to make sure this is a classic case where I want to make sure that my language is being used correctly and that I'm understanding exactly what's going on. Can you explain in a little bit more detail exactly what you mean here for those of us like me who cannot do anything other than claim ignorance? Of course. I I love this like dynamic of opening up the vocabulary. It's really fantastic and definitely the first step for sure. So there's really no other way to describe it. And some may disagree with that. And that's from a more logical point of view. I would, you know, I would observe when one gives birth from a spiritual point of view, from a physical point of view, you know, the birthing channel is opened whether the pregnancy lasted eight weeks or, you know, it went to full term, you have to go through the process of release. The womb has to contract and you have to go through that. So it's, it's birth, whatever way you look at it. And again, that vocabulary is very empowering. I feel for pregnancy loss, especially if women, for example, like I haven't had a child um, since then, but I still have this 
change, this physiological change in my body where I've gone through birth and I'm aware of Mother's Day and like it's it's there and it's present in my my awareness. We go through that initiation and we can't go back. So I always encourage mm-hmm. women to say like, yeah, you have given birth. And even in hospital, when I worked in a maternity hospital, that was always counted. Abortion, a miscarriage is always counted. You might be on your third baby, even though it's your first full-term baby. That's just how it's it's explained. Thank you very much for that. In its own way, that series of statements is as profound as anything I've heard in a long time. And it's a way of thinking about pregnancy that honestly had never occurred to me before. I, I just That's all I can say. With that then language in mind, you gave birth, you went on with your life, I assume, but how did that from an emotional perspective, and if you want to talk about physical perspective too, how did that experience change you? Yeah, it changed. It just changed everything. I I feel like I was asleep beforehand and I've read quite a few stories of women having abortions and there's this realization of like, okay, wow, I've made this decision. I've gone through all this pain and for what? Yeah. You know, it's it's almost like now there's a more of a drive to make life worthwhile and for me personally, in that moment, I could see who I wanted to be as a person, as a mother, as a business person, like everything I wanted to do in my life was so apparent going through this decision. Um, so then after the experience, I was just so motivated to become that version of self. That's the the driving force. But at the on a physiological level, I was just filled with grief and sadness and heaviness that i really couldn't let go of. And I had stayed in South Africa for some time after that, still couldn't let go of it. I went back to Ireland uh, because it was during the whole COVID pandemics time. And Mm -hmm. I had this dream when I went back to Ireland that I was really pregnant in this dream. And I was running from every home that I'd ever been in. (laughs) And I was trying to give birth, but I couldn't give birth no matter which house I went to. And I realized I had to leave my home country. I had to leave the people that knew me, basically. So I, I flew. I flew away to Costa Rica uh, with this grief, with this this pregnancy feeling still with me. And that is when I first met ayahuasca. And she was the only medicine that actually could help me to alleviate that grief and to let it go. Yeah. Did you go to Costa Rica with the intent of seeking out plant medicine or was it that something was it something that happened during your journey there? It's yeah, it's interesting. So I was dreaming about it before I went and I didn't know, I didn't plan, I didn't even research. I was just like, that's interesting. I've never really thought about ayahuasca, you know, it's kind of popped in every mm. now and again, but anyways, and Then I just intuitively picked a place to be. And one day when I was walking home from this little cafe on the beach from working, this person just stopped me dead in the path and asked me if I wanted to join a ceremony. And that was it. (laughs) Yeah, one hour later, I was on the mat. I was like, okay. (laughs) 
Like <laughs> a random person just came up to you and said, do you want to be part of this ceremony? And, and there you were an hour later. And talk to us a little bit about this ceremony. I want to make sure that I'm understanding um, exactly what happened during this ceremony in light of what you just said. And, and that the, the mental picture that I am putting together of this narrative is, is accurate. What did this person tell you about the ceremony? What happened once you went to that ceremony? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I always follow intuitive signs. That's, that's how I work. And it was the second time randomly that I was invited to the same ceremony. And the first time I was asked, I was like, mm, I don't really like vibes particularly where it's being held. And so I kind of didn't give it any more thought. I didn't research it. But then when he was just synchronistically there and just the way that he looked at me, I was just like, this is something I need to pay more attention to. So I went and chatted to the organizer and she gave me all the information. And I just knew, I just knew that it was, it was something. And I also knew that I, if I thought about it too much, I would just become too scared and afraid. So I think I had 40 minutes to shower and change and come back. And yeah, I, the only guidance, which I think honestly was the biggest blessing. I know Webdelics like shares a lot of information. I've noticed like different people obviously work differently. Some people do really well on a lot of information, some people on less. Um, but really what I, what I guide people to breathe into now is just like focus on the two, three days before your ceremony and particularly what the shaman says to you in the beginning. Um, and that's it, you know, to really try and forget everything else because each ceremony is going to be so different. So the shaman just gave me such good guidance that I remember to this day and I use in every single ceremony. And he basically just explained, you know, you are the warrior of your spirit and you are going to go into your unconscious realms and fight for your light, fight for your life is what you're going to do. You're going to war essentially for the next six hours. You are going to get every dark energy out of your body. That's, that's the task. And so with that, I was like, okay, breathe. I can do this. And holding his words as I went through the ceremony, I just, with ayahuasca and me, like I just was breathing into it and the darkness would come up and I would fight it. I would feel tempted by it. I would fall into it. She would pull me out and I would fight it. And we just did this in and out and in and out and just so much clearing was happening all at once. And I could see, I could see these dark demon things that we all talk about in regards to mental health or suicide or all these different energies. I could actually see them um, and tell them to get the fuck out. (laughs) I was just like, you're not wow. welcome here anymore. And mm-hmm. I cannot describe to you the the power of just years of having them run my life and run my mind and run my body to just actually realize that I could tell them to leave was just so huge. <laughs> you indicated that a lot of what drove you to Costa Rica in the first place were the ongoing issues that you were having with regards to uh, the feeling states and the emotional trauma that you were experiencing in the wake of the uh, of the birth that you had in in um, South Africa. Did that directly come up during the ceremony? Was that something that was part of your intention setting when you went into the ceremony? How did that play into everything? Great question. Yeah. It was the the main part 
really. So the the main thing that that happened, I mean, if so much happens, it's impossible to remember everything. But one of the images that always stays with me is this really interesting concept. It felt like my myself in that ceremony. It felt like I was present at the birth as like an angel, if you like. So in the ayahuasca, like I journeyed back into the the space where it happened in the bathroom in my apartment. And I was lying there on the floor with my partner and we we're going through the waves of the medication and the, the extreme pain. And mm. I was just getting this sensation that like I was taking this like soul from myself was the feeling. And it was like really sad, like this separation that was happening. And she was like, I was comforting myself and saying like, it's, it's okay. Like there's no, there's no shame. There's nothing wrong. Like I'm just going to take it and everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And that was the the whole healing that happened in that experience. So I felt like the translation of that for me was that of course I had released that pregnancy and that, you know, path in life, but energetically I was still holding on to it. So in the ayahuasca, mm-hmm. it felt like really just actually letting the energetics of it go and the thought processes and everything, just letting everything go. Yeah. Were there men and women in the ceremony? Was it mostly women? Who was involved in the ceremony? And from your perspective, would that have mattered considering the specific issue that you were facing? Yeah, in this particular ceremony, I was not super connected to everyone in the space because of the way that I came in. As I mentioned, it wasn't very planned. So it was very much a solo journey. And even afterwards, it was quite a solo journey. There were men and women there. And there were also men and women assisting the shaman, which was very nice to have that balance to support and the music was incredible and the assistants were like personifying animals and just the, like it was my first journey. It was my first experience of this realm. I was just like, like, wow, this is, this is really amazing. You know, so it's not all heaviness and sadness. Like there's just this absolute wonder in it as well. But my most recent ceremony actually really um, brought all of this medicine home. I was actually in my home country And I think that added to it. And in that instance, I was super connected with everyone in the space because we did integration sessions in the morning. Um, And this came up, we did a whole womb cleansing and we had this full discussion about uh, pregnancy loss and stillborns and ceremony. So that was very impactful. We're going to get back to that in a second then. I want to go back to the Costa Rica experience. How do you feel that you changed after that experience with regards to the feelings that had led you to Costa Rica in the first place? The change, I mean, I I actually wrote the book after that experience. So I was able to properly communicate what had happened. Firstly, that's Mm -hmm. one of the biggest changes. Mm. The integration was was rough. I'm not going to lie. It was really, really hard. I just had so much water in my body. I was crying all the time. And Mm. all of these difficult things actually happened quite soon after. Like weird people came into my life. And I just, I felt like I was battling everything I battled in the unconscious space in my physical realm, like after it it had happened. Um, So that was quite, that was quite stressful, but I really learned my own strength 
And it pushed me. It pushed me to, like, because I was no longer defining myself by this event anymore. I was also no longer defining myself by this family that I had started or the country that I'd lived in. So I was just kind of in this void. That's the best way I can describe it, of just nothingness. (laughs) And that's necessary and scary, you know, to... It was a huge part of me finding who I am today and actually creating Elemental Empress Medicine and finding my own feet, you know? For someone who may be listening to this and perhaps realizes as they are hearing your words that this is a grief that they may be carrying around, that maybe they've adapted to it or thought they've adapted to it, or maybe it's been something that's been in the back of their mind or even the forefront of their mind that they can't get rid of, but they just are dealing with it day to day. I would imagine that they might feel, on the one hand, a sense of hope because you're saying that you were able to confront and release some of these emotions, but then you're talking about a void being there, and that may be very, very scary for someone in that situation. What would you say to such an individual? Yeah. What you are setting an intention to do if you decide to embark on this journey of letting it go, which I feel to be totally honest is your only option. (laughs) You have to move Mm. forward and you Mm -hmm. don't have a pregnancy anymore and and you're not you know, carrying or caring for this baby. So there, there is this like point I feel that's really helpful for women to support like partners, like us to support each other getting to basically where you switch the energy. So the energy was channeling in a certain direction into a pregnancy. And then through these experiences, when you let go of the grief, so how I describe this from an elemental perspective because I work with the elements, fire, air, earth, and water, and that's how I ground all of these insights, this information. It's impossible to see the path forward. The fire in us like, is not shining anymore. And that's that solar plexus energy. It's the excitement in life. It gets dampened by sadness and by too much emotion mm. in the body, which is water. So what we have to do first and foremost is drain the water in whatever way we can, be that ayahuasca or Mm. hiking, aerobic, like whatever you decide Mm -hmm. to do, getting that water to decrease. And then it's like the fire dries out and then it can start to arise again. So if we try and light the fire when it's wet, it's just not going to (laughs) happen. We have to deal with the emotion first. And then once the emotion is dealt with, once you release all that grief and sadness from the loss of your pregnancy, you will then naturally catapult yourself into the, the next stage of life. So if you're feeling like, Mm. why am I not moving forward? Why are things like, why can't I let this go? Know that you are naturally always moving forward. The only reason why you're not moving forward is because you're holding on to the past. So the focus actually is to let go of the past and then you will naturally move forward. I have to wonder in situations in which my own life has been dominated by trauma, Part of what has been scary about letting that emotional challenge go is the feeling that I would somehow forget something that was so fundamental to my evolution. 
And so I can't help but wonder, and again, I hope this isn't a question that is overly naive, but I'm, I'm going to ask rather than just hold it back and not know an answer, which is if, if you're releasing, is there any risk of by letting go of that grief, you're somehow letting go of the memory of that experience or the child that you were, the the fetus that you were carrying? I think, yeah, it's a fantastic question. And I'm sure it definitely is arising for people tuning into this and just in general going through these experiences. I definitely felt that. And at the same time, it's, yeah, it, it has never been forgotten for me in the sense that I've changed it into just a different energy form. Mm. And the whole energy of that pregnancy of what I came to name him Ben really has mm -hmm. just moved into elemental empress medicine. So if I had had Ben, I wouldn't have mm. elemental empress medicine. And mm. I mother that project. That's a community that I felt really cool to grow mm. to support people with plant medicine integration. And so he's still there and I still feel hit, like a connection with that soul, with that energy. And so I find that I'm in better relationship. I mean, I can only speak from personal experience. Like I'm in such good relationship with Ben and with all the gifts that he gave me. And I feel that ultimately we want each other to be happy. And I feel like it's a great tribute to that beautiful soul that came to you and gave you these beautiful experiences and teachings to channel the fertile energy into something that resonates with that pregnancy. And for me, it was my own independence. So in having that pregnancy and continuing with it and becoming a mother at that time, I was signing a contract to be codependent for my life, which was an ancestral wound that I could just really mm. feel. So in doing that, I broke that ancestral wound and Ben got to be a part of that. And we almost celebrate that together. You know, this is just a different perspective um, on the story, but it's in no way lost, I don't feel. Profound. Back in Ireland, you mentioned a few minutes ago that you went through another ceremony. Talk to us a little bit about what led you to that and what happened during that ceremony? Yeah, it's it's very interesting with this invitation to plant medicine. Everyone has different experiences of it. For me, I've become very close to plants, like psychedelic and otherwise. I feel so trusting of them. Mm. And a few months before mm. this experience in Ireland, I actually had a phone call with a friend and she like literally just told me that she intuitively felt that I was going to be taking ayahuasca at that time of the year. Um, and I just, I, I kind of felt like ayahuasca like called me a few months in advance and was just like, oh yeah, just by the way, you're going to be taking me. <laughs> just so <laughs> right. That would be kind of weird if that actually happened. I've got to say, you pick up the phone, it's ayahuasca <laughs> on the line. <laughs> she's just, she's just being kind, you know, she's just that. Like, exactly. How thoughtful you plant medicine, you. <laughs> it was just like the randomest thing. Like we weren't even talking about that. And she was like, yep, that's, it's going to be like the final step in your female empowerment. And of course, then it aligned with being in my home country because that's where mm. huge amount of, you know, this whole abortion side of things and pregnancy loss has been really difficult for Irish people. Uh, through our mm. history, we've gone through 
the Magdalene sisters. We've gone through just a lot of trauma in that space. Um, and I, I know the stories from my own lineage. So yeah, it just, it was perfectly aligned and I felt super cold to go. And my intention was really to regain confidence. And I feel a large block in women's confidence is this pregnancy fertile aspect is that we just don't know what to do with our fertility. And then if we like mess up in regards to pregnancy, then there's like a shutting away of self and, and creative wow. power for life just because of that. Wow. You know? So it was a wonderful experience. I'm, I'm just in wow. for it. Yeah. And again, I've got to ask, talk to us a little bit more about what made that experience different and so wonderful for you. And how did it change you even further? Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, it wasn't marketed as a womb healing ayahuasca weekend, but it was just a general three-day experience. Mm -hmm. And the first night, we everyone got comfortable with the medicine, and I highly recommend three days for ayahuasca because she's mm -hmm. intense. <laughs> kind of, it's mm -hmm. nice to meet her once. The second night, go deeper. Third night, uh, <sighs> you know, celebrate or something else. You know, it's mm -hmm. just nice to have that time. So we had three days together. So after the first uh, session and the first integration time, it was clear that everyone was dealing with different womb issues. And I want to emphasize that there was men and women. It was pretty much half and half. Mm. And we had a full spectrum of ages. Like we had 20-year-old men and women and like 40, 50-year-old men and women. It was fantastic, mm. the spectrum mm -hmm. of this group. And so we got to hear all the stories of like how men dealt with having a stillborn baby and how women kept their abortion secret mm -hmm. and just everything was coming up in this first session. So on the second night, she decided to focus in on this, on this womb healing. And I had asked her the question, the, the shaman, and it was also my first time working with a female shaman. So it was just like perfect synchronicity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I had asked her in the first integration session, you know, a little bit about how to work with the medicine. And she told me, you're giving too much power away to the medicine. You can instruct her what to do. Hmm. And so then she showed me the second night how to do that, basically. By after we had taken the medicine, the women came into the center of the room in a circle, which kind of ended up looking like a womb. And then the men stayed on the outer part hmm. of the circle. And she instructed the medicine then to move through the wounds of each of the women as the men held shakers as the boundary, as the protectors around us as we went through this experience. And then she started playing these songs of like all of the spirit babies and the ancestors and just womb awakening and divine feminine songs for us to experience and to bring forth this energy. And my whole body was just shaking. Like it was if you've ever experienced, like a lot of women do shake when they're in labor, when they're giving birth, because it's like mm. trauma release is happening. Mm -hmm. And my whole body is just like shaking this entire time. And she's coming up and she's doing the leaves wow. and cleansing. And I just, I felt so safe with the women beside me and so recognized. I mean, I've written the book, I'd shared the story, mm -hmm. but I never felt like held in the fact that I was a woman and that that experience is very normal because it was like all these ancestors that had had this experience and all these physical mm. human women around me that had had these experiences. I was like, wow, you know, okay, cool. I can just let this go. Like, wow. um, and to be held by the men as well. And I feel like the, the women were being taught how to be women and the men were being taught how to be men, <laughs> you know? Mm. In, wow. this, uh, in this very visceral experience. So yeah, and then they just opened the doors and we just 
we left so much we left so much out of that room it was incredible <laughs> i assume you did integration afterwards Listen. and i assume that this experience uh, led you to a, some sort of different understanding of your life or your experience or maybe it led to a different uh living state than what you had been through before, particularly with regards to the, uh, with regards to the birth that you had previously had. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. For me personally, I feel I received a lot of validation mostly because I understand patterns like I see patterns and I see the elements and I have like a psychic capacity to see different points in time and also quite a shamanic tendency to make ceremony like I never had this experience before in my life but all of a sudden after I gave birth I just knew exactly what to do I knew I had to get a tree I knew it had to be done in a certain way mm. um and I suppose I, I wasn't really recognizing that that was a gift but then when I heard the, sh I, I was sitting there and I hadn't shared my experience yet. There was a woman sharing before me and that's how the integration sessions work. Someone shares a story, someone really resonates and they share and it goes around like a spider's mm -hmm. web. It's fascinating. And so this woman shared before me um, that she hadn't done a ceremony. And then the shaman told her to get a rock and put a rock over her womb for a day and to sleep with it and to give the, the baby, the pregnancy that she'd had a name and then to bury the rock in the earth because there is this natural need that it wants to be recognized as a physical form. So if you don't have access or you couldn't have you know, access to what you gave birth to, uh, the rock mm -hmm. is a, as a wonderful substitute. So she shared that. And then I shared afterwards, like, wow, I did that intuitively. And I'm just, I was just breathing. Like I was just recognizing my power in that. Um, and it really activated me to be an integration guide, to trust more in my awareness of the elements and also to be a feminine guide, to be a birth worker. I just felt really mm. activated. Like this is my true path. This is who I am. There is a almost circularity to this story. And there is an elegance and a very unique sort of um, beauty to what you shared. Am I misperceiving things? It is. It is. It has a circular nature to it. And I feel that all comes from ayahuasca energy. Um, like she is the ultimate mother. And I had felt that on an elemental level that it's very helpful, especially for people who go through spiritual awakenings to start to associate father to fire or the sun and mother to earth. Um, because mm. our physical human parents, like they can't potentially hold space or give us the information that we may need. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's a lot of pressure so we can use the elements. And then I started to use that for plants as well. So I see that circularity, you know, with ayahuasca as a mother, as she was like kindly and, and sometimes very like, forcefully and intensely like guiding me to become the best version of self. Like I, I'm her daughter and she's like, wants the best mm. for me. And she's providing that support, you know, to feel safe so I can find it myself. Do you feel 
as though there are any cautions or any pieces of advice that you would like to share with individuals who may have gone through a similar experience as you did and may think that uh, an ayahuasca ceremony is something that could potentially help them. And I ask that because one theme that has consistently come up throughout this show and a whole host of episodes is that these are medicines that are powerful and not to be trifled with. And let's face it, a medicine that could have this sort of transformative power in your own life is not... It's not the same as eating you know, a truffle from the candy store. And so uh, what are your thoughts with regards to whether this is a sort of journey that's right for everyone? And what would you recommend to people who might be thinking about it? Hmm. Yeah, thank you, Scott, for bringing that aspect of it in. It's it's a huge part of the conversations that I have with people about this, this medicine. And honestly, in, in some teachings like the the medicine's actually not even spoken about until mm -hmm. once a certain you know a person reaches a certain stage of self-control mm -hmm. and mm. so i suppose that's part of the backlash of having so much access to information nowadays that it's very accessible so for my my guidance what i would share i mean a lot of the guidance that i've shared is in the birth of ben book so if you are thinking about the birth of ben book actually doesn't include the, these ayahuasca experiences because they happened after um so i would recommend reading that book if you feel called and becoming connected with the elements so that's actually what i teach holistically i mean that birth of ben is very specific to a, a feminine experience but i do teach about the elements in the elemental medicine school as an integration practice. And what I share with people is if you are totally new is come into connection with fire, air, earth, and water within your body and within the world around you. And once you get to a level of comfort with that kind of connection with yourself, then you're pretty much ready to go into the plant medicine world because you mm. know how to work with your own energy. The mm -hmm. caution here is the intention. If you intend to go to any kind of plant medicine with wanting to just dump all your problems on the medicine or make it fix your problems, it's just going to be chaotic and it probably won't give you the results that you want. Mm. However, if you bring your energy back into yourself and you connect with the mm -hmm. elements and you understand, okay, I am the creator of my reality and you go into the medicine in an empowered state, mm. you will be super successful. So that's, that's the way that I teach it and share it and, and what I guide people to do. People listening to this or watching it may feel called to learn more about you. Sophia, where and how can they do that? Amazing. Yeah, if you feel called to explore more about the medicine that I share, I do share plant medicine readings on YouTube. So totally free on the Elemental Empress Medicine channel. You can search that and connect. I do channel guidance and messages for psilocybin, for ayahuasca, for MDMA, and also for the elements, fire, air, earth, and water. And those are really helpful readings because if you're thinking of doing a ceremony, they help you to prepare. And if you're integrating mm. a ceremony, they help you to integrate. So that's a fantastic mm -hmm. place to play with this medicine. 
all of the information about the Elemental Medicine School is on my webpage, along with a blog that is organized into the elements. So you can get an idea about what I mean, how it relates to your day-to-day life to heal and awaken with Elemental Medicine. And lastly, I have my free plant medicine integration support community, which is such a group of loving people. We meet every single month on a free call. And we also have expert calls and meditations together and uh, wonderful resources in there. So there'll be a link for that community with this podcast. So yeah. Yes, there will Thank be. You, and if you are looking for those links, just go to the show notes. <laughs> yeah, I su- super appreciate WebDelix for providing the space for people to share their honest and open stories and for different kinds of guides as well to, to come forth because, you know, there's so many different ways to go about this kind of medicine. And I think I speak on the behalf of WebDelix's audience when I express appreciation to you for coming on here, for being so honest, and for enlightening us. Uh, there's, there will be a lot that I think about with regards to everything that you shared going forward. For those of you who are listening to or watching this episode and you enjoyed it, uh, just keep tuning in because in the future we're going to be discussing a whole host of subjects from how to prepare for your first psychedelic experience to psychedelics and yoga and much, much more. I'm so excited about these topics. I can barely even contain myself. And if you enjoyed today's episode and want to learn more, be sure to subscribe to our newsletter. And and that is at our website, webdelics.com. That's W-E-B-D-E-L-I-C-S.com. Also, of course, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast listening channel, whether it's Spotify or iTunes or somewhere else, or on YouTube, and make sure that you leave a positive review or comments. Don't forget to also follow us on our various social media platforms, LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and then go to our website for the most up-to-date, accurate, and unbiased information that you can find on the web about plant medicine and psychedelics. Above all else, make sure that you tune in next time for another episode of the WebDelics Podcast.